Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Bros. I am here, your host, Mark Hogan, and joined along me in a special and new format and episode here with me is Chris Anaruma. So, Chris, welcome to the podcast here. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited. Let's go. I love this slate. Awesome. So, we're going to uh, – this is a little bit different for everyone that's listening. We're going to tackle – uh, primarily DFS-related plays, what we're thinking for our builds here uh, to really provide a little bit more value. When we first started this podcast, it was really just merely for fun and for the league, uh, but we do want to expand uh, things a little bit here. So uh, before we get started, Chris, why don't you just um, give us a little intro on yourself here, uh, tell us a bit about yourself and, um, and how long you've been playing DFS here. Yeah, so so I started playing DFS probably back in, I want to say, 2013, but that was not a serious um, level of play. It was right around the time when, you know, all of the, um, you know, commercials were coming out on FanDuel and DraftKings, and, uh, you know, so obviously I dabbled, but... I didn't start playing seriously uh, up until uh, two years ago. Awesome. And uh, why don't you label maybe a success or two that you've had, just um, wins uh, that you've had so far, just to give some of our listeners a little bit of idea of of what kind of credibility you bring to the table here. Yeah. So I I focus primarily on on the NFL and and the NBA. Um, So, you know, the biggest win I've had to date was last year. Um, I hit second. I MME entered a express slate for an NBA contest. And I, I put in about 50 lineups, if I remember correctly. I hit second, third. I had, I had like four lineups in the top 10, the top two being second and third for a total net of just under four grand. So um, it was like 39.60, I believe, exactly. Um, that's my biggest hit to date. Uh, that said, last NFL season, I had multiple hits of five, six, uh, $600. Um, so uh, have had some, uh, ha- has had a lot of success. And, um, you know, to date, definitely, as we like to say, in the green. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, Chris and I both have had some some decent success here playing. Uh, we primarily play on FanDuel. Uh, I try to get a little bit more comfortable and dabble a little bit with DraftKings, so we'll uh, mention a few snippets of some DraftKings plays here as well. But just for you know uniform sake, we'll we'll primarily focus on FanDuel pricing uh, when we go over and do this podcast here. Uh, just to tell you a bit about myself here as well. Uh, have had a couple of of recent. Uh, successes in MLB since I stopped working for the New York Mets. Um, <laughs> knocked down, knocked down a 15k contest, and also knocked down um, about 5k uh, in another contest. Didn't finish first in that one, but uh, was in the in the upper echelon there. So uh, it's extremely rewarding when it's not just one lineup that you submit. Uh, we have became a little bit more familiarized with playing MME. Uh, multi-mass entry, if anyone is un- unfamiliar with that, um, and submitting anywhere from, you know, basically more than one lineup all the way up to 150, depending on, 
you know, how many lineups you feel like make sense for submitting for that corresponding contest. And I think it's important just to, you know, from a strategic standpoint, before we really dive in here, just understand that you don't have to play 150 lineups to knock down a contest, especially if you're playing, you know, like Chris mentioned uh, before, an express slate, uh, you really just have to get a little bit of variation going uh, and some some exposure on guys that you uh, like here. So, yeah, and, and and you know, Mark and I have had a lot of success, you know, playing with you know, call it twenty, thirty, forty lineups, as well as success playing with one hundred and fifty. You know, like so there there is no absolute science to this, um, but you know, the the point being. The more lineups that you play, the better success uh, you are likely to have. It doesn't mean you will have success, obviously, but uh, we've noticed that you know you, you're going to want to play MME if you're going to play DFS seriously uh, over the long term. Yeah, especially for these big tournaments here, and uh, going along with that, you know, I think um, you've had more success on some of these smaller slates where I typically. Um, have had have knocked down my wins here on some of the bigger slates, which, which is interesting. I think everyone kind of develops a niche um, as they progress here. Uh, so we're both of us are still looking to you know knock down one of those life changing tournaments, but um, we've <laughs> certainly seen some nice wins here. And you know, at the end of the day, there's still some luck involved, and uh, there's still kind of you know picking the, the the right lottery ticket that that comes into play here. With that being said, on the flip side. You know, there's a reason why you see some of the same usernames at the top of the leaderboards in every single contest here. So um, without further ado, I think we can we can probably go ahead and get started here. The way we're going to format this is we're going to dive in game by game, uh, talk a bit, little bit about the uh, totals, the spreads, uh, who we think is going to win or lose, and then uh, DFS value plays, uh, who we think is going to perform. Uh, provide the value that we think they can provide and uh, and, and kind of go from there. So, uh, do it. Chris, which which game do you want to start off with here? Uh, well, I've got the, the lines in front of me right now. First one, and by the way, guys, as Mark mentioned, you know, we uh, play most of our DFS on FanDuel. So for the sake of the lines and, and, and totals that you're going to hear, um, they're coming from FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, so wanted to keep it uniform there. Uh, so, you know, you may look at lines and, and see uh, a point, maybe half a point variance um, if you're looking at a different sports book. But the lines that I'm going to be quoting here are coming from FanDuel. Um, so the first one I got in front of me here, um, 1 o'clock on Sunday, Atlanta at Indianapolis. Tough game here in my eyes uh, just because both these teams have had a surprising, you know, couple, couple games here. Um, you know, Andrew Luck goes that well, not even goes down, retires, and you think Indianapolis is going to just roll over and have one of those years like when they lost Peyton, but they haven't. Um, so lines right now, the, the Indianapolis is a one-point favorite, and the over/under is 47. So I got to say, after watching last Sunday night here, Mark, I love Atlanta in this game. I do think uh, Indianapolis is playing a little bit above their heads. And, and this is a game that comes back to, to haunt them, for lack of a better term. Um, it's basically a pick em. I love Atlanta. Uh, their defensive line especially looked great last week against Philadelphia. I mean, they 
pretty much put Carson Wentz in a body bag at different points. I didn't even think he was going to come back to finish that game. Um, but, you know, Matt Ryan has had his red zone problems, but I like Atlanta here. Give me the point. Um, I, I'm not going to touch the over-under, but I like Atlanta on the road here to win this game outright, which means naturally I have them covering the, that, that plus one line. Yeah, I think um, for me, this is, I, I agree. This is definitely kind of one of those toss-up games. I feel like the Falcons, you never know what you're really going to get from them from game to game. Uh, however, I watched um, I watched the coach's film from the Falcons and the Vikings because I'm a Vikings fan. And uh, I actually said last week after I watched that game that I felt like Julio uh, actually looked perfectly fine. It was just the way that game kind of evolved uh, throughout the day. And um, really the Falcons' inability to uh, call a good game game uh I, I blame that on Dirk Cutter primarily more than anything else and the ineffectiveness of the run game so I have a little bit of concern uh just with the Falcons uh problems running the ball yeah uh, specifically Devontae Freeman I don't know if I can trust him this week I might still take a flyer on him in DFS uh because he's only 6.2k and he's a yeah. strong running back but you know, we've seen, we've heard that they do want to get Edo Smith a little bit more involved. Um, so I'm not going to go crazy with it. I'm, when I say a flyer, like if I'm entering MME, like I literally might go five to ten lineups, Devontae Freeman, if that. Yeah, so, if that, if that. I don't think you can really trust any back um, on Atlanta. Obviously, you're not going to play Edo Smith. Freeman, if you want to have some exposure to him, uh, I, I don't hate it, like you said, but I don't love it either. I mean, I think at this stage in Devontae Freeman's career, and he's not the oldest back by any means, that said, you know, he is really a touchdown or bust kind of DFS player. I think the days of him ripping off 20 carries for a 120 are, are probably behind him. Um, and you, you never like being, uh, you know, heavy on guys that are touchdown dependent. Um, so I'm staying away from Devontae Freeman and, and Matt Ryan for that, uh, for that example. I, I think this is a low-scoring contest. Um, you know, you got a bad offensive line in Atlanta, uh, which can pose problems uh, for, for their offense. And, you know, there's not exactly a ton of playmakers on the Indianapolis side of the ball. That said, you know, we've been seeing a lot of these quarterbacks and these winning uh, MME, uh, these winning tournament lineups having uh, punting, for lack of a better term, punting on the quarterback. So I don't hate Jacoby Brissett as a play here this week. Um, I think you get decent value uh, at, at 6.8K. Um, I see no reason why he can't put up, you know, close to 20 points. I wouldn't say he's going to definitely put up 20. Um, but I do think he's a decent play. Uh, and should get you able to you know, put the rest of your lineup through a couple studs at the running back and wide receiver position. Yeah, I think in kind of looking at this here, I really – I think I would pick Indianapolis in, in the, uh, the pick em or even against the uh, – with the spread here. Um, just because, like, I'm looking at some of these Atlanta uh, Indy wide receiver cornerback matchups. I mean, obviously Julio is matchup proof, but – the other two cornerbacks actually have some pretty tough 
um, or the other two receivers actually have some pretty tough cornerbacks that they're going up against. Uh, specifically, when we're looking at Calvin Ridley here, he's got Pierre Desaire, uh and Mohamed Sanu up against Kenny Moore. That's actually a really tough matchup for Mohamed Sanu. Uh, Calvin Ridley yep. is really a wash. He may or may not, but I'm leaning towards him really not doing a whole lot. Uh, combine that with, again, the Falcons' problems running the ball, I actually think that I would feel pretty good going Indianapolis here. So, all right. So we, we got our first split. I yeah, love it already. Exactly. <laughs> and and when you look when you look at the Indianapolis wide receiver cornerback matchups, um, we actually look we're looking pretty good here. Uh, T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. You know you know he's going to get his touches, uh, especially in the I wouldn't say red zone, but. Uh, on the opposing team's 40 and in, you know they're going to look the ball, uh, look to get him the ball. And the other guy we got to touch on here clearly is Marlon Mack. I mean, this is a guy who came on like a hurricane at the end of last year. And so far through two weeks, has shown no signs of slowing down. Um, I got to say, he, he's, he's certainly a, in – he's a lock RB2, fringe RB1. Um, week after week, especially this week, I do like this matchup. Marlon Mack will definitely be played in, in some of my lineups um, with some relatively high. Yeah, I, I like Marlon Mack. His projected ownership is 9%, so you're not really getting him too contrarian. But I, I think that he's definitely someone you want to build into your – or put into your builds. And there, one, one piece of advice to everyone listening as well, just because you have a really good cornerback on your team, uh, in this example, Desmond Trufant, doesn't necessarily mean – that they get matched up on the number one wide receiver because, you know, every defense runs a different scheme. Some of them run zone. Uh, some of them run a little mm-hmm. bit more man. Um, in this scenario, we actually will not be seeing T.Y. Hilton go up against Desmond Trufant on a play-by-play. He's actually going to draw Isaiah Oliver for the majority of the game. Uh, of course, he's going to have some snaps here and there, but uh, you'll see the other indie receivers actually see Desmond Trufant a little bit more in Chester Rogers and Deion Kane. Really have no interest in those guys. Um, so I think when you're talking about receivers, I'm probably looking at T.Y. and that's about it. Um, yep. And, and I agree. And you're getting, I agree. you know, the projected ownership on T.Y. as well is only 3% right now. So I feel pretty good about throwing T.Y. out there. And I don't even mind uh, messing around with Eric Ebron a little bit. Although those Atlanta linebackers seem pretty good and athletic. So I'm not going to go crazy with Ebron, even though he's going to be low ownership. I will have um, pretty good exposure to T.Y. Hilton here, though. Yeah, yeah. So to recap here, I mean, you know, obviously we love Julio. You know, as Mark said, matchup proof. Big on uh, on Marlon Mack in this game. Brissett as a as a option at quarterback to allow you to fill out the rest of your lineup with. You have some studs uh, at the at the wide receiver running back positions, and and you know um, we obviously love Ty as well. So um, I think that's a, a suffice analysis here for for Atlanta yeah. and Indy. But um, before we just backtracking one step here, I I actually I don't love Julio. I think he's matchup proof, but um, I don't think he's gonna. I, I don't see him um, replicating what he did last week. And considering his projected ownership is roughly around 20%, that's extremely high for a large slate. 
So, uh, I mean, I'll have obviously some exposure to him, but I'm not going to go crazy with him. I'll probably limit my exposure, um, again, anywhere from about 5 to 10%, where I'll probably go up about 25% on T.Y. Hilton. Yep. Great. Awesome. Which moves us on to what I think is clearly, clearly the game of the week here. Next game that I have, again, Lions brought to you by FanDuel. Baltimore at Kansas City. I mean, this is a playoff preview as far as you can t- we can tell through three, uh, two weeks, I should say. Lions, Kansas City, minus five and a half, over under 52. I mean, you've got 80% of the money coming in right now on the over. So clearly – and with 52 being the line, clearly we expect this game to be a high-scoring affair. You got two potential Pro Bowl quarterbacks and two of the brightest young quarterbacks in the NFL in Lamar and, and Patty Mahomes um, going here. It's tough to see bet against Kansas City at home, especially this is their home opener. Um, you know, that crowd is going to be raucous. Uh, Baltimore did not look very great last week against a rookie quarterback in Kyler Murray, um, who I think the world of. I think Kyler's going to be great. But Baltimore, you know, they didn't they didn't look as impressive as the Lions. I mean, they were two touchdown favorites last week, and they only won by six. So um, I'm going to lay the five and a half here. I think it's pretty easy in my eyes to take Kansas City. I do not think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I do think they cover that five and a half. But uh, that five and a half yeah, line. so I think um, one really important note for this game is Jimmy Smith is going to be out for the Ravens. Uh, so that makes a guy like Sammy Watkins extremely um, extremely posed for a big game and a bounce-back game. Uh, you're not really going to get a discount on ownership with him and considering that he's projected for roughly 12, and I'll, I would say that probably goes up a little bit, uh, especially when people start realizing that Jimmy Smith will be out and uh, but with yep. that being said, Sammy Watkins is only 7.1 K. Now, this is a game that you would think right off the bat that you would want to go game stack. Keep in mind, you want to. You got to You got to remember that when you stack players, especially if you're doing more than two. You don't want to stack players uh, and spend over 40 percent of your salary cap. And, and, and kind of pigeonhole yourself, meaning that you're going to kind of cap your ceiling a little bit here. So you just have to remember that, you know, game stacks are actually more viable and are a little bit more sneakier and clever when you can game stack a game with guys that are cheaper here. So keep in mind, you know, yeah. like yep. McColl Hardman, I don't know how you say his first name, McCauley or McColl. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Mike. Um <laughs> Hardman, you know, he's a he's a he's one of those season long plays. You pick him up and I feel like Hardman is gonna have a good game here, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love Hardman here. I do not like Demarcus Robinson. Um I think he's gonna be a little chalky after after last week. Um especially because it's the Chiefs. Keep in mind the Chiefs are the darling of DFS since Patty Mahomes took over last year. I mean they have been putting out players that 
I mean, they, they just cycle through it. It doesn't matter who they throw out there. They have big games. Robinson comes out. He has a coming out party with 175 plus yards and two touchdowns. He's going to be chalky. I'm fading him. I, I, I love Hardman though. Um, especially uh, knowing that, you know, the chalk is going to probably lie there with, with well, Robinson. The, the one thing I'm seeing here is he does draw Marlon Humphrey, which, you know, on paper, they say that that's a really tough matchup, but personally, um, you know, I, I could see Nicole Hardman having a good game. I just, the way I look at this though is Hardman is 6,300 and he might not get more than six targets. Demarcus Robinson is 6,700 and he might not get more than six targets. Sammy Watkins yeah. is only $400 more than Demarcus Robinson. And he's only $800 more than Hardman. And he's averaging like anywhere from like, I think it's like 10 to 13 targets a game so far these first two weeks, which I don't know if he's going to get that many targets every single week throughout the year. But he clearly gets more targets than these other two receivers. Um, oh, absolutely. So I, I, I don't like the full-on game stack just because these other receivers – um, that aren't going to really see the ball too much uh, are, you know, in my opinion, I don't think um, it's sustainable, but I do feel pretty good still about maybe stacking Mahomes uh, with Watkins at the very least and having some exposure that way. Uh, and then running it back yeah. with, um, you know, I, I, I feel like in my opinion, you have to go heavy on Marquise Brown. He's kind of like the new yeah, Tyree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, if you're not playing and if you're not sold on Hollywood Brown yet after these two games, get used to it. Um, I mean, he's clearly the number one wide out there. I mean, between him and Mark Andrews, those are really the only two. And Andrews is a tight end, obviously, we know. But between those two, they're really the only Baltimore receivers at this stage that you should even contemplate playing. Um, you got I, – I, the Chiefs' defense – is not the 85 Bears by any means. The Ravens will put up points. Um, Lamar's probably going to do things with his feet, but you know when he goes back and he wants to fire the ball downfield, he's going to Hollywood Brown. So I, I, I think you got to have exposure to Hollywood Brown. Um, and if you're not bought in on him yet, you Marquise Brown has uh, a matchup against Brashad Breland. That's the equivalent of Julio going up against Rocky Sin in the indie game. So you're getting Julio at 8,300 where you get Marquise Brown at 6,100. Uh, and Marquise Brown is clearly the number one with roughly 10 targets a game as well. Um, who I think is really sneaky, though, I actually would, in my opinion, with this game, I feel like I would go a little bit heavier on the Baltimore side, especially because I think they could be playing a little bit more catch up here. Oh, yeah. And Kansas City, we know, is going to be chalk. And the fact that you can get Hollywood Brown for cheaper than all the Kansas City receivers is all the more reason to play Hollywood Brown in this. In yeah, this like I, I look at it like why would you play McCole Hardman when you can get Marquise Brown for 200 bucks less? I mean, it, it literally makes – it makes too much sense. The fact that Hollywood Brown has not been priced up after the two games he's had – is you, you, you should take that as a treat from FanDuel and, to you because that should be an easy play. And, and I think someone who's sneaky 
um, that, you know, is going to be touchdown dependent. So don't go crazy with the exposure here, but men's salary, Miles Boykin, he's 4,500. So you stack Lamar, Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin. First of all, you're getting men's salary at your receiver, which accounts for paying up for maybe a guy like Lamar. You get Marquise Brown at only 6,100. You still have plenty, plenty of salary. Uh, you're not even 33%. You're, you're roughly like 25% of your salary cap between three players in a game where, you know, you have a 52 point uh, total here. So, um, yeah. And that, and, and that could give you options to play an Andrews or a Kelsey, because let's not forget uh, you got maybe the two best tight ends in the AFC going up in this game. And truthfully, there's value there. I mean, Andrews at 6,800 is not overpriced. Kelsey is, is obviously going to be more expensive as he should be, but I still think he's got good value even with uh, his price set at, it looks like um, he's, he's eight. uh, 8,000. Yeah. yeah. I, st- I still think that that gives you some good value because again, this game should the, one of these teams is putting up 30, if not both. Yeah. So Travis Kelsey is one of those guys who's again, matchup proof. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a nightmare for linebackers and you're, you're going to have to, um, you know, these linebackers are going to have to try and cover him. So um, I feel pretty good about that. And um, I, I think that's the direct go. For, uh, but make sure you fit in at least Mahomes, Watkins and Kelsey here uh, with, I would say, most exposure to Mahomes. I would probably lean towards a little bit. I, I would probably lean towards a little Kelsey and then Watkins as my third there. So I, I couldn't agree more. I think on the Kansas city side, you know, you got to have the most exposure to Mahomes. He was the MVP and, you know, the best fantasy player for a reason, um, you know, followed by, followed by Kelsey and Watkins. And then on, on the Baltimore side, you got to have some exposure to Lamar. He's going to be your, your number one guy there, um, followed by Hollywood Brown and, and, um, and Andrews. And, and I'll add Miles Boykin for my end. Uh, all right, so we're going to take a quick yeah. break, and then yeah. we'll move on to the next game. We've got to throw in an ad midway through the episode. Uh, we're going to move on, but we hit on Cincinnati Buffalo here, Chris. There we go. There we go. You took the words out of my mouth. Cincinnati traveling to Buffalo. Buffalo been a little bit of a darling of the NFL through these two weeks. Granted, not the biggest, um, you know, they didn't play the 85 Bears or the 07 Patriots. They played a bad Jets team and an even worse Giants team. They're favored by six points here at home. Home opener here for them. Uh, I got it. Devin Singletary's out, which is important to note. Uh, he is their big play guy coming out of the backfield. Looks like he's going to have a bright future. Um, he is out. I got to think Buffalo's luck is, is going to run out a little bit here. I like Cincinnati. Cincinnati, while they have been beaten twice and fairly convincingly at that, Andy Dalton is putting up stats. They are scoring points. They're not doing much running the ball, but they can throw the ball. John Ross has been great. Uh, as well as uh, as well as Tyler Boyd, uh, so I I like Cincinnati to maybe not win this game outright, but I certainly like them to keep the game close. 
I'm taking the Bengals plus six on the road here. Uh, how about you, Mark? Bengals plus six, you said? Yep. I don't mind it. Uh, believe it or not, through two weeks, Andy Dalton is the second leading quarterback in passing yards in the entire NFL. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, he's putting up numbers. <laughs> he's balling. Nah, I didn't know that, but I knew he was balling. I mean, John Ross has been great through two games. Tyler Boyd has been great. They have not done anything running the ball. So, while I didn't know that he was the number two, I'm not surprised that he has been balling. Um, see, the thing is, I think Buffalo could actually win this game here, but I could see Cincinnati covering the spread just because um, this is going to yep. be one of the lower-scoring games. It's a 44-point total. Um, and I just kind of see both offenses kind of, you know, starting off slow. So, yep. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Tyler Boyd, um, I really – honestly, this is kind of a scratch-off game for me. Like, I really don't have a whole lot of interest across the board here um, just because yeah. uh, Tyler Boyd's the only receiver I can really get excited about. I think John Brown's going to – or, um, excuse me, uh, John Ross is going to come back down to life. I think John Brown actually yep. has a high yep. floor and is viable for cash games, but – you know, uh, at, for listeners out there, we're, we're pretty much talking strictly tournaments here on this for the sake of this podcast. So um, I'm just not a huge fan of this um, on either side. No. Not on either side. I couldn't agree more. It's it's going to be an ugly game. It's not going to be high scoring, which means all the reason if you're if you are betting this game to hammer the Bengals plus the six because this has 17-13 type game written all over it. I don't like any of the backs. Joe Mixon is clearly not healthy. Um, I do not see him all of a sudden turning into last year's Joe Mixon this week, especially on the road and uh, against a Buffalo defense that is, is pretty good. Um, and on the flip side, Singletary's out, so that limits some of the big playability that the, that the Buffalo offense can go. While Frank Gore is uh, a decent player at even this late in his career he is still pretty touchdown dependent so I'm with you Mark I'm not really playing anyone heavily from this game um, you know from the, talking about the two quarterbacks here I think Josh Allen has got some good value um, at 7.5k but even that I I don't I don't love but I will have some exposure to him because I do think at seven and a half K that's pretty good value for a guy that should easily put up 20 points at the bare minimum. You're getting, if you're getting three X from your quarterback, especially when you're paying down for him, you're in a good spot. And he can knock down some rushing yards as well. So um, I don't mind taking a few flyers on Josh Allen and maybe even pairing him up with John Brown. John Brown is basically the number one receiver there and he's only 5.9 K. Um, I'm just going to have a tough time going from Marquise Brown to John Brown when there's only a $200 <laughs> separation there. So Exactly. Especially because, you know, you're getting John Brown. It looks like his project – I mean, this can't be right. This They're saying his projected ownership is 15%. I would be shocked if he actually – That's way high. Yeah, that's way high. For a guy that's John Brown, that's high. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, let me look up his matchup here, but I just – I don't, I don't really see that um, happening. And he I mean, I like get... he's got like a step. I mean, he's up against William Jackson, who's just – he's decent. He's a decent cornerback. He's not bad. So, yeah. um, 
I, I, I might take a flyer or two on him, but that's about it. I'm not going to have too much exposure to this game. Almost. I, I, almost none. Almost none. I agree, which means we can move on here. Uh, let's talk Denver and Green Bay. Green Bay, I was not very high on them coming into this season. Uh, I thought Rodgers, and I, I was wrong about this, but I thought Rodgers could have been you know, on the back nine. It doesn't look like hey, he's never going to be 2010 Aaron Rodgers again, but he still is winning ball games and he's still getting Ws. The line's seven and a half. Denver has looked awful through two games. Uh, Packers at home. I think the, the over-under is 44. I think it's going to be low scoring. I, I think that line's pretty damn accurate, um, which would make you think that I would say take Denver plus seven and a half, but I just don't see the Denver offense doing much. I'm taking the Packers minus the seven and a half, uh, and I'm riding Rodgers here. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about taking that, even with that being such a big spread, just because, um, you know, look, watching – you know, some of these games with Denver, like their run defense was awful. And awful. This is not the same Denver defense that we've kind of known these last several years. They very susceptible to the run. I mean, yes, they have a pass rush only in Von Miller. Like Yeah. There's no one helping him. So not one guy can sack the quarterback on every single play. And when you know that you only have to kind of be concerned about Von Miller himself, you can run blocking schemes to knock him out or run plays in opposite directions to wherever he's exactly. at. So, and the Packers offensive line is not bad. I mean, they, you're talking they're about one of the better ones in the league. Yeah. So you can double, you can double team uh, Von Miller too there. You know, this is to your point, not the Denver defense of 2014, not, not even close to it. You know, I love Aaron Jones here. I will definitely have exposure to him. Uh, I think he's a pretty good value uh, sitting in at only 6.9K. I mean, I think that's a well underpriced. Uh, I definitely am going to have 10-plus percent exposure to him for sure. I, I like Aaron Jones as well. Um, I feel pretty good about him. And, you know, who I think would actually be pretty sneaky here is uh, Devontae Adams. You know, he's 8 points. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's matched up against Chris Harris, which, you know, when you first think about it, you're like, oh, Chris Harris is pretty good. Chris Harris has not looked as good as he normally is uh, recently. Uh, so uh, I'm looking at Devontae Adams. He's actually got, yep. based off of, uh, you know, his play, on the entire state. Uh, And I'd throw uh, a loner in with with uh, with Aaron Jones there. Yeah, I love Adams in this game. I think he's got a touchdown written all over him. I, I see no like I see no way he doesn't score. We all know he's a touchdown machine. As anyway, I see no way he doesn't get into the end zone this week. Uh, even if it is a low scoring game, him and Jones, I feel pretty confident about getting in there. I also like Valdez Scantling uh, over here. I think five point three k against what we just said was not a great Denver defense. Uh, I'm definitely going to have some exposure to him because this is a guy that can easily catch a pretty long touchdown, and all of a sudden he's giving you three and maybe even 4K return or four times return. Um, I I like Valdez Scantling a lot here too. 
I think if you like MVS, though, you, you have to maybe even get some exposure to Geronimo Allison. They're both, um, you know, basically the same price point and both going to serve very similar roles. Uh, I just personally, I don't want to be get, you know, overexpose myself to this game here with that low point total. I think Denver is oh, yeah. going to try and, you know, keep Green Bay's offense off the field. So it's going to be a slower tempo game. So I'm really just kind of keyed in on three Packers here with an Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams um, um, little stack there and uh, maybe a few other lineups with Aaron Jones. I don't really want to even touch uh, anyone in this Denver uh, – in this no, Denver no. offense here. I mean, maybe Emmanuel Sanders on That's a That's the only one. Yeah, uh, just because Sanders that's the is, only one. Sanders is the number one receiver. He's fifty-seven hundred. Yeah, so that's the only back. one you want to touch. I mean, Sutton. No, I'm not sold on Sutton. Sanders is the only guy from Denver that I would even consider and play, consider playing, and and very low exposure at that. I think. So, I think like uh, maybe just a fun little stack if you were to do it is two variations of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and running it back with Emmanuel Sanders. And another one where you just have Aaron Jones and running it back with Emmanuel Sanders. So yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, moving on. Detroit going into Philadelphia to play the Eagles. Detroit shocking a lot of people last week with a win against San Diego. I, I should say Los Angeles. Now, um, I did not see that one coming. I had the Chargers last week. Um, Detroit is just one of those weird teams that it's tough to figure out and. That's really the story of Matt Stafford's career there is, you know, one week they'll, they'll shock you. The next week they lay a dud. So it's, this game's tough. You know, that said, Eagles on a somewhat short week being that they played Sunday night, uh, they're, they're, Carson Wentz cannot be feeling great. I mean, he got abused by that Atlanta defense last week. I like the Lions here and maybe not to win it outright, but I do like them to keep it close. Um, you know, they kept it close with a Chargers defense that is just as good, I think, as this Eagles defense, um, maybe a little worse. Uh, but I like, the, I like the Lions to keep this game close and, and cover the five-and-a-half. Uh, it's a five-and-a-half point spread? Five-and-a-half over-unders, 45-and-a-half. I feel decent about that. I just um... – like you said, Detroit is just like a headache to try and figure out. Like, you know, one week they do one thing and the, the next they just are a completely different team. Uh, I actually had just kind of sidetracking the season's longs a little bit. I had Amendola in one of my leagues and threw him out there thinking, yeah, maybe he doesn't hit 100 yards, but if he goes five for 70 or something like that, I'll be happy. He literally had zero. <laughs> a goose yeah. egg in fantasy points. Um, and so I just don't know really what to expect here with this Detroit-Philly game. Um, I even feel a little hesitant taking Detroit on that five-and-a-half-point spread. Kenny Galladay has got a nice matchup against Sidney Jones. I think he's the one guy that I feel yes. confident in actually throwing him into my lineups. And the other Detroit receivers, yeah, one of them might have a good game, but um, – they're not going to be high owned either. And I don't think, I, I think Kenny Galladay is the only guy that's a two touchdown kind of receiver in this offense anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Galladay. I, I don't like carry on Johnson. Um, no, not against just, that Philly he, defensive yeah. line. 
he's he's been a disappointment uh the first two games. I don't see any reason that he's going to be the carry on Johnson that kind of came on at the end of last year this week. I like the plus five and a half for Detroit because I do think this is going to be a relatively low scoring game. And I can easily see the Eagles winning this game by field goal. Um, so that, that, that's my justification there. Love Galladay. Great matchup. Not crazy about any other receiver or any other um, uh, running back, obviously, from, from Detroit. Um, interesting to note here on the Philly end, though, and, and obviously the Philly running backs are – I mean, who knows what you're going to get, so you're not going to play any Philly running back at this point. Um, but interesting wide receiver matchups here for the Eagles. Jeffrey looks like he's not going to play. Did they, did they make a ruling on him yet? Um, I don't think they compl- – I think they're going to make it a game-time decision. Yeah, um, I don't see him playing. I don't think uh, he's going to play either. Yeah, so so with that said, you got to consider Algalore and uh, and J.J. Whiteside. I mean, you got to consider them just because, you know, D-Jax is not playing. Deshaun Jackson's not playing. Alshon Jeffrey looks like he's probably not going to play. So if you're talking about the number, the two number one receivers on Philly being Algalore and, and Whiteside and at 4.8 and 4.6, uh, you gotta you gotta have some exposure to them I, I, because it's just they're they're too cheap and too the value's too high. You're gonna have you have to have some exposure there. Yeah, I think especially in a slate where you're probably gonna be spending up at running back this week. Um, Aguilar is a great salary speaker. He's gonna get a lot of targets. Uh, Arthega Whiteside. Did you know that that's how you pronounce it? It's Arthega, not Arsega. Um, no, uh-huh. I, 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 that's why I was just calling him white side. <laughs> no, I heard it the other day. I was like, wow, um, that's weird. Uh, so I think a white side, he's supposed to be getting some volume here. He actually played 75 snaps last week, uh, but he does draw Darius Slay and Nelson Aguilar does draw Justin Coleman. So I think these guys are great value plays. Just like, don't go crazy with them. Like, yeah, yeah. You want to build, if you're playing these two, you want to build your lineup out with studs on at the running back position. And, and the reason why you're doing that is because you can afford to with paying down with one of with an Aguilar or a Arcega white side. Like I, I feel like Aguilar um, I'm just looking at these guys projected ownership as well here. Um, and Aguilar is going to be, 36% owned. So, Oh my God, that's way too chalky. I take that back. He's got clearly everyone else is on him too, because of this value, which means I'm pivoting off of him. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel too. Like I want to play him because of the value, but he's got a bad matchup uh, against Justin Coleman. He dropped a, a freaking game winning ball in the in the game. He dropped like week. he dropped like three balls. Yeah. So like it's you know, he got the volume but he didn't necessarily produce what he could have done. Um so I'm just worried about his play alone, given that the matchup is pretty rough and also his projected ownership is through the roof at thirty six percent. I I mean you have to have exposure to him just because the field has so much exposure to him. Um but I'm probably not gonna go any more than 20% um, just to really kind of cover myself because of how much the field is going to have exposure to him. Yeah. And, and a good pivot off of that might be to go over to Zach Ertz. Um, you know, Zach is still going to be the number one target here. 
and he's not terribly highly priced at 6,800 for him. I mean, you're talking about one of the top three tight ends in the game and to get him at 68, knowing that you're probably not going to see, you're not going to see Deshaun Jackson and probably not uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, nice pivot off of Algalore. I mean, yet to your point, have some exposure just because the field has so high, such high exposure, but maybe sneak off of that, go on to Zach Ertz, um, and, and make that your, your Eagles play. I actually, I, I'm fully on board with that. Like, I think that, I, I think you fade Aguilar, like maybe even only play 15%. And then Zach Ertz, his projected ownership is 21. So it's not as bad as Aguilar, but because his salary is higher up there um, is why it's driving his ownership down lower than Aguilar. And I would, venture to say that Ertz is likely going to be the most successful receiver of the entire group. So I wouldn't even mind, you know, hitting about 40% exposure on Ertz and almost covering the rest of my lineups with Kelsey and just running it out there with, you know, paying up on, on those two tight ends across the board because um, the tight ends are kind of a wasteland uh, in this yeah. as well. Absolutely. All right. Moving on the Miami Dolphins. Oh, oh God. God, we have God. to talk about this game. Uh, we have to. Unfortunately, we have to. We'll make this one quick. Miami at Dallas. This Dallas minus twenty. Spread in NFL history. It, it is the biggest one I've ever seen. Minus twenty-two and a half for Dallas. <laughs> Dallas at home. They're gonna run away with this game. Honestly, I feel. And this is crazy that I'm even hearing the words come out of my mouth. But I feel pretty damn confident laying the 22-and-a-half here. This game's going to be over by halftime. Zeke is going to go nuts. Dak will have a game. Even without Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, is, I know make of Fitzpatrick. I mean, it's, this game is going to be over by halftime, which is why you shouldn't kill yourself with Cowboys with exposure because chances are by the time the fourth quarter comes around, you're not going to see anyone uh, – in, in Dallas's starting offense. Um, so, you know, yes, you love Dak this week. You know, I expect him to put up at least three touchdowns in the first half, whether that's through his feet or through the air. Zeke's going to get one, too. Um, Amari's probably going to get one. Lay the 22-and-a-half. Don't sweat it. It's going to be a blowout. Oh, my God. But Vegas just wants people to bet on Miami here, right? I mean, they're baiting you. They really are baiting you. But oh, my God. Josh, half, like, when do you get that big of a spread? Like, it is tempting, and it's going to throw a lot of people off just because it's such a big spread in the NFL. Like, this would be different if it's college football, but this is the league, man. Spreads aren't supposed to go more than, like, 10 points here. Yeah, you, you, you hate seeing double-digit spreads in general, let alone 20-plus point spreads. And we've got two games on this slate that are 20-point spreads. I've never seen that in my entire life. Um, but that said, Miami, Josh Rose, we know what Josh Rosen is. I'm sorry. I've seen enough of him. The Dallas linebackers are going to destroy this poor kid. I see no way that the Dolphins – I mean, they've scored – no points as it is this year. I don't see Josh Rosen coming in and all of a sudden being the savior here. I'm laying the points. I don't, I, Dallas's defense is very good. Dallas at home is very good. Um, 
I feel pretty good about it too. Um, I'm not. Don't don't even think about playing a dolphin. I mean, you're from DFS purposes. Do not. I'm not even. I'm not even going to look at the what Miami players are priced at because truthfully, I'm not going to have any exposure to them. Um. So like, I am looking at Dallas, and so I I think so. Zeke's ownership is 33 percent. Um. I, I feel good about just matching his ownership and going like 35. Just, just to play yeah. with the field on that one because, Agreed. you know, I'm not going to go too heavy because, again, of that blowout potential, you never know who's going to score. And, you know, what happens if Dak throws for three touchdowns and Zeke only runs for one? Zeke's right. not going to return. So, yeah. um, the field's no, got about I, 33. I'm probably going – I'm probably going exactly that. Yeah, I like I like, I like like Dak over Zeke in this game. Um, really? You know, yeah, from, from, from a – I mean, I'm looking at what's Dak at. Dak is uh, actually he's priced pretty high at he's eight point four, and he's eight percent ownership. But he's eight point four, and if he only plays like the first three quarters, um, in a pace down game where they're blowing him out, I don't really see him getting more than like twenty points. Although that said, under new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, Dak has looked great. Uh, two bad teams again. Uh, that Dallas has played, and this is another bad team, though, so I see no reason why Dak is not going to return at least two, uh, two and a half X. I mean, he's going to get 20 points. I just know that he for pl- me, like, there's so many running backs that I want to pay up for that I don't think I can justify in my builds spending up 8.4K for Dak, who might not play a full game. That's um, fair. That's fair. And we talked about paying down for quarterback earlier, so, you know, I yeah. do agree with that. So, like, for me, I'm thinking, like, I'll match the field with Zeke. And then I do have interest in Randall Cobb. He's only 5.3K. He's only going to have projected ownership of 3%. And he's got a juicy matchup uh, going up against Jamal Witts. Oh, who is that? I don't even know who that is. But Rotor Grinders has him as um, not a good player. So, (laughs) I know that Miami – Miami quarterbacks, especially now that Minka Fitzpatrick is gone, um, you know, Jamal, this guy was not supposed to be a starter at the beginning of the year. Amari's going to draw Xavier Howard. So I think Xavier Howard can relatively contain Amari. Even if Amari catches one touchdown, he's 7,700. So I don't think he's yeah. necessarily going to return. Or if Randall yep. Cobb goes five catches for a touchdown, he's going to return on that 5,300 price tag at only a projected ownership of 3%. So and and again, Michael Gallup is out, so there is exactly. a lot of there's a lot of reason to think that Randall Cobb is going to get heavy volume uh in this game. I mean, especially with Amari drawing Xavier and Howard. And granted, yes, the Cowboys are going to run the ball a lot, but I love Randall Cobb in this matchup too. Um another sneaky play could be a hundred bucks less in Devin Smith if there's blowout potential and also Tony Pollard, but I don't really get, I'm not gonna bank on these backups giving me points just because you know these guys still have to return basically three X in a tournament yeah. format. Um yep. I'm only thinking that Zeke and Randall Cobb can give me tournament kind of returns here uh, across the board and, and I look at Randall Cobb's numbers like who are you going to start, Nelson Aguilar or Randall Cobb? There's only a $500 difference. Um, I'm kind of feeling I, like... I go Cobb all day, all day. Knowing what Aguilar's ownership projections are, yeah. you got to go Cobb there. I agree. Like, that's how you get leverage against the field. So, 
I might be running out Cobb and com- almost completely fading out Aguilar after looking at this year. Yep. All right. Well, moving on. Moving on. The la- the the other game that no one wants to watch, truthfully. New York Jets going up to Foxborough to play the Patriots. Even with this whole Antonio Brown saga, the Patriots are head and shoulders the best team right now in the NFL. Their defense is insane. Kevin Falk, I, I feel bad for you. Um, I would not want to go up into Luke Foxborough Falk. and try and – Luke Falk, yeah. Kevin Falk was a player too. Why am I confusing him? Either way, um, I don't, I don't want to touch uh, any Jet in this game for sure. An interesting play could be a, a Julian Edelman here with Antonio Brown now no longer there. He's the prices have came out already, so he's got some good value. Um, I mean, the Patriots are going to run this game out, though, so I'm not going to have. It, it's tough to have too much exposure. Um, you know, this is very easily could be a game where where Sony Michelle goes off for three touchdowns and you know, no one else scores on the Patriots because it's just over. I mean, I'm just looking at this, though. Josh Gordon is only 6K. And Antonio Brown, before he got released, was drawing one of the best matchups on the board against Nate Harrison. Um, I've got some interest in Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman here. And I don't even mind – yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind either of those guys on for for one off plays. Um, yeah, yeah, agreed. So I don't think I'm stacking really anything in this game, but I might have some one off exposure to both of these uh, receivers and Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman, uh, just because of the savings. And I think their ownership is going to go a little overlooked because I think people will look at this game and think it's going to be as big of a blowout as Miami, where I think the Jets will at least keep it relatively interesting up until yeah. maybe the end of the third or so. Um, oh, I, I agree here. I, I'm not touching this game. I mean, you put a gun to my head and you, you make me bet it. I'll lay the 21 for New England because their defense looks that good. But the Jets' defense is not terrible either. Granted, I do think Cleveland is a little overrated, but they did play – they played that Cleveland defense pretty hard last uh, Monday night, and they had their best player out in C.J. Mosley. So – there's something to be said about the Jets' defense. It's not a terrible defense. It's not a Miami defense. Um, you know, that said, going over to the Jets' side of the ball, I don't like anyone uh, on the offensive side. New England's defense looks as good as it's ever looked. And Le'Veon Bell can only do so much by himself. I mean, if you want to have some exposure to him, okay. I probably won't. Um, I, I'm not going to touch a Jets oh, here. The Patriots' cornerbacks are just so good too like yeah Robbie Anderson against Stephon Gilmore no no way Jameson no. Crowder against Jonathan Jones no, no. Demarius Thomas plus, against Jason McCourty no no plus uh Luke Falk is is throwing the I almost said Kevin again Luke Falk is, is the quarterback here like yeah no. I, uh, no. I, I don't have any interest um I mean, Le'Veon Bell is priced down, but he's still going at about 8% ownership. Um, that's not terrible or anything, but I think I'm just going to go in other directions here uh, and not mess around with it too much. He's, he's going to get a ton of volume, so I might just get a share or two of him just to say I have some, like, literally 
3% exposure, but um, yeah. he, he's going to be a little sprinkle in, and that's about it. So Agreed. Patriots All right, so- for me. and um, I mean, do we have any interest Maybe in these some Sony. Patriots running backs? I have some interest in Sony. Uh, he's not terribly priced. He's not priced terribly high here. Like, uh, like, like we said, this could be a game very, especially with the Jets defense not being pushovers where, you know, the Patriots can methodically drive down the field. You know, I don't think the Jets are going to give too many big plays over the top. So this could be a game where Brady just drives down the field methodically, gets, you know, into a first and goal from the five. And then Michelle runs it in. So I, I do like Sony Michelle here. I um I wouldn't mind, you know, this is kind of getting a little too cute. This is again like one of those one lineup plays, but um Rex Burkhead is four point six K. So I mean he's basically min salary and if you think this game is a blowout like we think it is, he's gonna get a little bit of run here and he's not That's even true. projected for one percent ownership. So at four point six K all he needs is you know, four or five catches, uh, a couple rushes, and maybe a touchdown at the end of the game, uh, and he's going to give you tournament return. So um, maybe one or two lineups, that's it with Rex Burkhead. Great. All right, moving on. The the last game from the early slate here, Oakland and Minnesota. Marky Marks, Darling Vikings. The line's nine here, over-unders 43-and-a-half. I got to lay the nine here with the Vikings. Uh, I think that at home, too, not an easy place to play. Uh, I, I like the Vikings here, and I'm going heavy Dalvin Cook. I mean, this guy is an easy RB1 in near season long. He is leading the league in rushing. He could not have looked better through uh, two games. And Oakland, they have – you know, Snacks Harrison going up the middle here. I love Dalvin Cook in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, he's a workhorse running back. You don't get that a whole lot in the NFL these days. Uh, he's got a great matchup against the Oakland run defense. Um, you know, his price did go up, and rightfully so. And, you know, the Vikings are going to rely on him. The concern I have is that he is projected at about 24% ownership. Um but, I would match that. I, I match that. I like matching that. I mean, we talked yeah. about paying up at running back here yeah. on this slate in general. So I, I think that's about right. I, I, I like 25% exposure to Dalvin here. I think I would match the exposure, um, match it with caution. If for some reason you're coming up with your builds and you can't match the exposure, don't sweat it. Uh, and I wouldn't even mind getting a little bit of feeling in here as well. Oh, well, uh, yeah, so let's move on to the receivers here. Stephon Diggs, I love this week. He's going to be not – I'd imagine, I mean, Mark, you can correct me, but he, I don't think he's probably projected to be super, super high in terms of ownership. He had a touchdown called back last week. He did catch one um, – was it last week or the week before? He um, caught one last week. He literally had yeah, – he caught, his stat line was one catch for like 45 and a touchdown, but you're right. He had – right two touchdowns and one got called back because of the new stupid pass interference rules. Right, right. So, you know, Thielen and, and, and Diggs are head and shoulders the two guys that get the targets here. And granted, this is a run-first team, so let's not go crazy here and, you know, go crazy high exposures to Thielen and Diggs. 
However, I do like them both against a not so great Oakland's defense. Um, and I, I, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Diggs purely off the fact of the big play ability as well as the lower ownership than, and, the, and the price uh, compared to Thielen. Yeah, I'll probably just um, do 10% exposure for each of them. Mm-hmm. Because now it's projected ta- at about seven. Diggs is projected about two. Um, I think it's a toss-up between which one has the better game. Uh, but they're both relatively um, good prices. I mean, again, the past offense isn't anything overly amazing, but I'll probably get a little bit of exposure to both of them and um, cap it out at about 10% for each. Yeah, I don't love really anyone here on on the Oakland side of the ball. Um, I'm not messing with I mean, Oakland at all. Yeah, I don't love Josh Jacobs this week. He's a good player. He's a little banged up. I don't I don't want to touch him. Uh, and and where that is even worth considering on the Oakland side is Tyrell Williams. And again, not a great matchup for him. I uh, I'm not going to touch yeah, him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere near it. So. Um, all right, let's all right. Let's move on to four o'clock here and wrap this wrap this puppy up. Perfect. Um, four o'clock. Carolina. Carolina, Arizona. So I love this game. Yes, this is going. This is my favorite game on the slate, actually. So, oh, the line's two and a half in favor of Arizona. Over unders forty four. I think that's way too low. I think this game is going to have points, despite Cam being out. I think that you're getting a low line because Cam is out. But Cam hasn't been the Cam Newton of 2014 for a couple years now. So I think you're getting a, a fair line. I love Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. I think he's the number one running back what on the slate this Cam? week. It broke up there for a second. Uh, no, just I, you're getting a low line. The over-under is only 44 and a half, and you're getting that line because Cam is out. Yeah. So, so I actually love the over here. Um, I think you're going to get points from both teams. I think Christian McCaffrey is a must play in, in a high amount. Of, and his ownership's going to be high, but I think he's going to be the number one running back on the slate this week when it's all said and done. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, um, I'm pretty much all in on Christian McCaffrey here. Like he's 8.9 K he's going to be 38% owns. I might even have, I don't know. I might have to try and get more exposure to him just to get a little bit of leverage on the field here. Um, I don't think I'm going to mess around too much with David Johnson um, because he's got really projected higher ownership as well. Um, But Christian McCaffrey, I'll probably match his ownership. Uh, I hate doing that, but I think the way you can get different with this game is if you actually give yourself exposure to Kyle Allen, and FanDuel yeah. is 6K, the minimum for quarterbacks. If you're playing DraftKings, he's only 4K, which is like, I mean, I'm going to play DraftKings just to put a lineup or two in with Kyle Allen. Um, yeah. And, like, I, I, if you're going to play Kyle Allen, I would make a contrarian different stack and stack him with McCaffrey. Um and then maybe like a Greg Olson or one of the Carolina receivers. Uh, I wouldn't mind DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel. So, like, I, I could totally see you doing a three-player stack and doing Kyle Allen, McCaffrey, and Curtis Samuel, Sash, DJ Moore. 
DJ Moore. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I and I also love the Arizona receivers here. I'm with you on on David Johnson. I'm not, especially he got banged up last week too. Don't want to touch him too much. Um, but I love Christian Kirk and I love Larry Fitzgerald here. Tyler has proven that he does have the ability to to sling it and sling it downfield. And you know Christian Kirk was quiet week one, had a great game last week. And Larry Fitz is the ageless wonder. I mean, he's still going downfield and making forty-yard catches. Like you got to, and they're and they're both very fairly priced too. I mean, you're talking about five point nine k for each. That's great value. But you know who is my sneaky play in this game? It's Demir Bird. So I'm gonna mess around with Demir Bird a little bit. I know he's not a household name. I know most people don't know who he is, but. Through the first two weeks, he's received seven targets in each week, and he's only at 5K. In a game that we think yeah. is probably going to beat the point total here, um, I don't mind. Again, we're not going crazy with it. I mean, his projected ownership is 2%. So if you you know, put out 10% of Demir Bird, you're going to crush it. Even if you just put out 5%, you'll have a little bit of leverage on the field. Um, so... You know, if you're not a believer, still get maybe 5% exposure. If you feel pretty good about it and want to get get aggressive, maybe even throw them in at 10. Um, yeah. DJ Moore is 8%. I'll probably have more than that. Larry Fitzgerald is 16. Um, I'm probably going to have more than that at only 5.9K. I mean, Curtis Samuels, 58 Christian Kirk is 5.9. All of these guys are great prices. So, like, I'm probably going to get full-on game stacks and run it back with both sides here and just go kind of crazy with it because the pricing is just too good. Um, it is. It is. No, so I agree. I, agree. I might I, – there's there's even a chance or possibility that I have more exposure to this game than the Baltimore-Kansas City game. It's my favorite game on the slate. You know, the Baltimore-Kansas City game is the best game on the slate, but if from a DFS purposes, this is my favorite game on the slate. Yeah. Um easily all right moving on here my new york giants going down to tampa against the bucks a team that they have handled quite swimmingly over the last six seven years i mean they're six and one against the spread and straight up against the bucks that said this is not the giants that i grew up loving Daniel Jones, it's a new era. I'm excited for him. I actually think he's a sneaky play this week. The Bucks defense is is not great, but I mean the Bucks are laying six. They're six point favorites. The Giants defense has shown no like they that they cannot stop a nosebleed. And as bad as Jameis Winston has been, they should win this game and they should cover that line. Um and you would think that you love Jameis here in this matchup. It's just it's, – it's tough, man. I mean, all the signs are pointing for you to play Jameis here. He's cheap. You can pay down for him, get studs, and he's going up against the worst pass coverage defense in the NFL this year. But it's Jameis Winston. Yeah. I, it's tough to get behind that. Yeah. You know? I I um I, I actually think the Giants they're six point dogs, right? Yeah. I think yeah. they cover the spread. I think they might even outright win this game. I think Daniel Jones is gonna come out and actually do pretty well. Um 
I think Daniel Jones, I agree, is a, a sneaky play at only 6K. You're getting about the same price as Kyle Allen. And Daniel Jones was, you know, a top pick in the draft this year. So um, he's only going to have 7% ownership. I might mess around with Daniel Jones and even plug him in to fit some of these higher-priced players across the board. I might I might get 20 to 25% exposure here. So um, I can yeah. go a little crazy I love with that. Daniel Jones. and. Um, I think it's different from that Carolina game. I don't think it makes sense to stack them with Saquon. Like, I don't think you can get the return on both of those guys if you think Daniel Jones is going to get tournament returns just because Saquon is such a high price point player. So, yeah. um, So, I I think, like, you can run some lineups just with Saquon and then maybe run some other lineups with Daniel Jones and stack them with, like, a Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, obviously Saquon is one of the most talented backs in the league, and he's going to get his his price reflects that. Um, you know, keep in mind Todd Bowles is is the new defensive coordinator down there in Tampa. Uh, they're not a terrible defense, and and Todd Bowles is a very good defensive coach. So you know, while I think Saquon does find the end zone at least once. And, and probably is going to put up close to 100 yards because he's that good. I don't love him just based on his price point. Um, I, 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 that said, I, and while I, I was skeptical about Jameis, I do love Chris Godwin this week. I think this is the guy that you want to have in your lineups from the Tampa Bay side. If you're going to go a power rankings here, you know, I, I think Godwin's the number one guy that, that I'm plugging in in my lineup uh, on that Tampa Bay side of the ball. I think with these guys, I actually like Mike Evans a little bit more. I think that um, Mike Evans gets still gets targets in the end zone. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably just going to match their ownership here at 10 and 13% apiece. Um, but I'm not going to go crazy. I'm probably not going to – I might have a, a stack or two, like literally a lineup or two where I just have Jameis Godwin and Evans, but – I don't know. I don't actually. I don't know how that would work out. So I would probably just do uh, two pair of stacks with some Jameis and Godwin and Jameis and Evans, just to yeah, just to have have some exposure to that as well. So great. Um, let's move on here. Uh, yeah. What do we have left? We got. We're we're down to the last uh, last three. All right. Um, fly through these here because we're pressed for time. Yep. Houston at L.A. Uh, Chargers. Houston plus three and a half. Uh, over-unders 48. I like Houston here on the road. They they kind of laid an egg at home against Jacksonville. I think they rebound. Chargers, they're a tough team to figure out here. Obviously, Eckler has been the darling of their short season, but I, I like Houston here to win this game. Yeah, I think you got like your usual suspects. Um, I always think it's a viable option to throw out Deshaun Watson and pair him with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And, um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is only going to be 9% ownership, where you have Keenan Allen on the other side at 30% ownership. Yeah, Keenan, um, Keenan's priced down, so you're, he's going to be chalk. And it's not to say Keenan isn't going to be a good player, but he's going to be chalk. He's going to be chalk, and I don't know, man. He, he, he popped up on the injury report this week. So, um, I know he's got a good matchup against Bradley Roby, who's just not the same player since he left Denver. But um, 30% ownership and a guy that popped up on the injury report and has a history of being injured. I'm not saying I wish that he gets injured or anything. I just um, – that's scary. Skeptical. Skeptical. I agree. Yeah. 
it's it's really scary to play him and um I don't know even if he gives you tournament returns uh if he has a good game either because Rivers tends to be able to spread the ball around a bit so uh, yeah, I'm not gonna mess yeah. around with that too much no I mean I think the only player and he's priced up accordingly but the only player you really want to mess with on the LA side of the ball here is Austin Eckler I mean it's clear his usage is going to be through the roof at 7.6. It's still, I, I, it still might be even a little undervalued truthfully. Yeah. And in, in a week where um, a lot of people are going to be spending 8k or up on running backs. Um, I mean, he is still projected at 19% ownership, but all of those 8k running backs are projected at like 30 or more. So um, mm-hmm. I don't mind trying to squeeze them in with some of these other top running backs and maybe even going about 25%, 30% on him. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, last game of the slate here. Uh, we got we're two not more. Do- oh, we're, we're going to do the Sunday night game, even though it's not on the main slate? No, no, no. We got New Orleans, Seattle, and Pitt- Pittsburgh. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, New Orleans, Seattle. Let's. I don't like this game, truthfully. Um, you know, you got Teddy in at quarterback for New Orleans. The Saints are, are five-point dogs going into Seattle. Over-unders, 44 and a half. I think it's a low-scoring game. Um, you know, it's tough to tough to really get behind anyone uh, on the New Orleans side of the ball heavily, just because you don't they you don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they did not look great against the Rams once Breeze went out. You know, obviously Kamara's a stud, and so is Michael Thomas, but I'm not going to have high exposure to them um, at all. My play on this game is is got to be Chris Carson. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't even feel that good about Chris Carson. Um, you're getting him at 12% ownership. Uh, he's only 7K, which is pretty nice, but there's not, there is some grumblings about working in Rashard Penny a little bit. So um, I'm probably going to stay away from most players. I'll get about – I'm going to, like, technically fade Kamara, but just so I can have some shares of him, maybe throw 5% of course. of him. Um, of course. And Michael Thomas. Same with Thomas. Same with Thomas. Yeah, Thomas, I mean, he's only projected three ownerships. So, I know it's a pace down game, but he's got a fantastic matchup against Trey Flowers. Um, I might even go 10 12% Thomas just to um, to try and get some leverage on the field here. So, besides that, I'm not yeah. going to go crazy. I don't have any really stacks in mind or anything like that. Um, no, me neither. And, and when I look at uh, Seattle – I could get behind um, playing some some Tyler Lockett and um, Metcalf. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, Marshawn Lattimore actually hasn't looked too fantastic, and Tyler Lockett's got a matchup against P.J. Williams, so. Yeah, yeah, Metcalf is a, is a very sneaky good play. Um, and I do think Seattle wins this game. I think they cover the five, um, but, you know, Similar to you, I'm not going to go crazy with high exposures to this game. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to Pittsburgh-San Francisco here. Yeah, last game of the slate. Don't like this one too too much either. Um, you know, oh, wait, the line. Hold on. We didn't pick our spreads here for Houston, L.A., and uh, New Orleans-Seattle. Uh, real quick, uh, Houston and Chargers, it's a three-and-a-half-point spread. Well, yeah, yeah. I like Houston here, plus three-and-a-half, um, and, and I like Seattle minus the five. Uh, I agree with both of those, and um, I don't know if we covered Carolina, Arizona, but 
I'm going to go Arizona, obviously winning that game with it only being a two and a half point spread. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we missed on Arizona. Um, but yes, I, I like Arizona at home to cover that spread as well. Um, all right. So last game, Pittsburgh at San Francisco. I'm going to take San Francisco minus the six and a half uh, over under 43, similar to the Seattle New Orleans game. This is going to be a slower pace game uh not not a lot of scoring you know James Connors banged up I'm not touching him on the Pittsburgh side um Juju without Ben is is not a, a play that I really want to touch either so I'm gonna fade most Steelers I think Vance McDonald might be a little high owned at tight end just based on his game last week and while he's not terribly you can play him for sure especially if you're gonna fill your lineup up with studs at running back and wide receiver, but don't go crazy on the Pittsburgh side of the ball. Um, they they just they're not the Steelers that we that we've grown to know. I think um, Mason Rudolph and Juju Smith Schuster could be a, a sneaky little mini stack for this game. Mason Rudolph is only six point six k with a projected ownership of one percent, and Juju Smith Schuster is only seven point five k. And considering he's an elite receiver, he does have chemistry with Mason Rudolph. Um, as we've seen in camp with these guys. And he has the best, one of the best matchups, actually I think the best matchup um, in the entire slate against a really soft San Francisco defense. He's going to be lined up for the most part against Kwan Williams. Richard Sherman covers the other side of the field. We all know that Richard Sherman doesn't play man. He just covers one side. So they're going to be throwing James Washington and Moncrief out against him. Uh, I think I'm going to mess around with, um, some Mason Rudolph, Juju Smith-Schuster, because Juju does have that big playability. Juju's percentage is only 6%. I might I might get about 15% exposure to him. All right. All right. We, we, we somewhat disagree there. I, while, I, while, I like, while I like Juju, I don't love him. I just I, – it's tough for me to get behind any Steeler right now. They just, they, they just have not looked good at all. And granted, tough New England team week one. And obviously, when your quarterback goes out in the middle of the game week two, and it was a tough Seattle team, um, you know, not the best matchups. Definitely better matchups here. So, you know, I'm not going to go heavy there on Juju, but I do like him for the sneak play ability. Like you just said, he's going to be sneaky, and he still is a stud. Um, On the 49er side of the ball, uh, Burita had a big game last week. I think, you know, he's still priced relatively fair at 5.9. Um, so I'll have some exposure there, um, but I'm not going to really mess around with the, the 49ers receivers too much. No, I'm not going to mess around with four. I actually think that Pittsburgh could win this game. I'm going to take them in that spread, um, considering it's a six-and-a-half-point spread. Um, I think Pittsburgh wins the game, and I think Mason Rudolph can there, – there's potential for him to connect on two touchdowns of Juju here, so – um, if that happens, he's only 6.6K. He'll give you tournament returns, and Juju certainly will as well, only at 7.5K. So There um, we go. You know what? Uh, I, I'm going to – I'm gonna. this is – we've been in sync most of the day. Um, you know what? This is the one game it looks like that we're going to go the opposite, so I'm interested right. to see how this flow out because I'm going to take – I'm going to take San Fran minus the six and a half. All right, go ahead and take them. I, I think Pittsburgh got, has this, and I think um, – I think having exposure to this game is key because it's literally, you know, it's one of those last games on the slate. You always need that, you know, kind of end of the slate hammer here. And if you don't, 
um, you could really get left. You could really lose out at the very end. So yeah, and no, that's, the and, that's the worst. That's the worst. And I, I think those two would be good for an express slate too. So. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, if you're talking express slates, you know, yes, absolutely good. But theoretically, here. if you like them for an express slate, you should like them for a normal slate too. That's true. That's true. In in fact, if you like them for an express slate, you should probably like them a little bit more for the normal slate that's because they're going to have they're going to have less exposure on the normal slate. That's exactly so. that's exactly what I'm saying. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that stack there um, to mess around with it. So. Uh, but I think um, I think that really wraps it up. So I, that was a really good segment that we got into. I hope everyone enjoyed us covering DFS. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort to, you know, analyzing and looking into these matchups. We hope we helped you guys out in creating your builds. We're going to create some builds. Uh, hopefully we see everyone on the other end of a million dollars as we go into it next week. Until then, we'll sign off here for the Fantasy Football Bros. Anything uh, that you'd like to leave off here, Chris? No, it was a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to doing this every week. And, uh, yeah, like you said, let's make that money this week and, uh, and report back uh, with some winnings uh, when we do this a week from now. All right, sounds like a plan. Signing off here for the Fantasy Football Bros, Mark Hogan, Chris Anaruma. Peace out.